Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. It's good to be together again. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. This morning we are going to be looking at verses 14 to 19 here in Genesis 1 as we look at the fourth day of creation as we continue our march through the creation week. Well, let's begin our time together by reading our passage, Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. Hear now the words of the only true and living God. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His holy word. You may be seated. Let's go to Him in prayer together now, asking for His Spirit to work among us, to nourish us on the food of His word This morning, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before your throne of grace this morning in the name of your Son, our Savior and King, asking for your help during our time together that you would help us to not only hear and read your word, but that we would rightly understand it, that it would be rightly divided for us, that we would take it and apply it to our lives, that we would see the things of this creation in light of your word and with all the cacophony of voices around us in the world telling us that the stars in the heavens and our moon mean all of these different things. Help us, Father, to look to your word and to believe what you have said about them and to reorient our minds, perhaps even have a paradigm shift in the way that we are thinking such that all of our thoughts would be in accordance with your word. That the way in which we think about reality would be conformed to what you have told us about it and not conformed to the thinking of this world. Father, be with us this morning as we go through your word seeking to do these things. We need your Spirit to apply your Word to our hearts, to our minds, for we are fickle. We don't remember the sermon that we heard a year or two years or five years ago. Father, we will soon forget this one. But we trust because of your promises and your faithfulness that you will take what we have read and heard and hear today, and that by your Spirit, you will conform us to the image of your Son, that you will work in us to labor for your kingdom in this world, and that you will use this day to preserve us for that final day of our Savior. Father, we lift these things up to you, not only for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters as well who are gathered together. 
This morning we lift up Emmanuel Reformed Baptist Church in Coconut Creek, Florida, and Fletcher Memorial Baptist Church here in Jefferson. Father, we ask that you would be with your beloved there. That you would help them to hear your word. That you would nourish them in these same ways. That you would bring unbelievers among them and that you would grant them repentance and faith at the hearing of your word of truth. That it would be the gospel of their salvation that today would be the day of salvation for them. That your people would be built up and encouraged. That you would multiply us as the stars of the heaven. That the increase of your praise on this earth would know no ends. Father, do this work among, among our sister churches. Father, we also lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters this morning in India. Father, surrounded by so many so-called gods, innumerable. Father, we ask that you would cause our brothers and sisters there to cling to the truth that there is only one true and living God and that all other idols, vain creations of the minds of men. And Father, that those, as they go out and they preach your gospel in their country, that they would be willing to be thought of as fools for the sake of Christ, that they would count that a joy. That as they preach your gospel, that they would make it clear that you are not a God that can just be added to the pantheon of gods that these people believe in, but that you are a God that requires the forsaking of all other idols. Well, Father, help your people to proclaim this message in truth and by your grace. Turn India into a bright, shining light for your gospel here in this world. And Father, we hope for that. We long to see that happen in our generation. And Father, we ask that if not in ours, then in generations to come. Father, use our brothers and sisters there in these ways. And Father, as we turn our attention now back to our time together this morning, Help us to reorient our thoughts to this passage, your word before us here in Genesis 1, to this fourth day of creation. Help us to draw out of it all that will nourish us, all that will lift our eyes to your Son at your right hand, interceding for us right now and over seeing us, ruling over us as his bride. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Signs are meant to point you in the right direction. They are meant to communicate to you that this is the right way to go. And we trust signs. We especially trust them when we are in unfamiliar places. But we know that signs can be also be manipulated. They can be changed and they can point you in the wrong direction. You've probably seen those cartoons where Wile E. Coyote changes the road signs in order to trap the roadrunner. But our passage this morning has another kind of sign in mind. Signs that we are instructed about in the pages of Scripture. Signs that instruct us about the significance and the importance of earth. And even more significant and even more important than earth, the signs that we will look at will instruct us about the significance and importance of mankind. God's image bearers that He has put here on His earth. But make no mistake about it, beloved, it is a sign that has many wily coyotes 
that look at this same sign and tell you that it is pointing in a different direction. To give one such example, the atheist Carl Sagan, in his book Pale Blue Dot, speaks to a different interpretation of God's sign. When he, in his book, he shows a picture of the earth taken by Voyager 1 in 1990 that shows the earth as just a tiny speck in a ray of light from our sun. He looks at that picture, sees that sign, and he says of it, our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. Carl Sagan and the Wiley Coyotes of the world see the tiny speck of the earth in that photograph and point to a sign that says, life's meaning is only what you make of it. There is no intrinsic value, no intrinsic importance to this earth or anything on it except the importance that you give to it, what you make of it. And so Mr. Sagan's conclusion at the end of all that reasoning is that we should be kind to one another. But we must ask Mr. Sagan and the Wally Cody's of our generation, why? If there is no significance, if there is no intrinsic value to the earth, if there is no intrinsic value to the people on it, why should we be kind to one another? If we're just stardust, molecules in motion bouncing off each other, what difference does it make? If there is no intrinsic value and importance to the earth or the people on it, then why should we be kind to each other? Why should we care? Why shouldn't we just do whatever makes us feel good? Whether that hurts a few people along the way or a whole bunch of people. What difference does it make? We're just stardust, molecules in motion. Meat and bones all the way down. But when you take that photograph of the pale blue dot in a ray of our sun's light, and you do what Christians must do, when you take that photograph and interpret what you are seeing in that photograph, not according to worldly wisdom, or not according even to our own wisdom, but according to what God says in His Word, then we see that there is great significance. There is eternal significance. There is the highest possible significance to that pale blue dot. There is special and unique value to that pale blue dot that no other planet in the solar system or in the universe has. And there is an infinitely amount of more value of the people, those image bearers, on that pale blue dot. Because God has made us in His image, and has given us intrinsic value. This morning, we will see in our passage that the things God says about creation here on day four will show us that God's interpretation of what He has made is that everything that exists on the earth or in the starry heavens, everything that exists points to the central importance of the earth and your place in it. Our passage this morning speaks to the truth that the earth is special. And though it does revolve around the sun, and though it is just a tiny, small speck in an unbelievably large galaxy, and even unbelievably more large universe, our sun, our galaxy, and our universe have been made in order to serve God's purposes as He glorifies Himself 
not on Mercury, not on Venus, not on Mars, but as He has chosen to glorify Himself in the redemption of image bearers here on earth. And so God would have us look at the pale blue dot of that photograph and say, let us go to the temple that the living God has made and let us worship Him and enjoy Him. And because He is glorious and He has made us His highest creation because we are made in His image and He is going to hold us accountable for all of our words and all of our actions in His creation, therefore, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Therefore, Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. And beloved, as complicated as things can be made to sound, as the world reinterprets the signs that God has given to us, it is ultimately going to all come back to whether or not you are going to listen to God and pay attention to the signs He has given and what He tells you they mean, or you are going to listen to fallen man's reinterpretation of those signs. Which reality are you going to believe? Which reality are you going to live in? Because, beloved, they are mutually exclusive. Let's begin looking at our passage this morning as we look at the fourth day of creation. (coughs) A quick look (laughs) at the straightforward statements here on the fourth day in verses 14 to 19, is that God created the sun, moon, and stars to the end that they would serve two main purposes. The first being, as you can see in these verses, to give light upon the earth. And the second to be to serve as signs for mankind. Now if you look here in these short verses and just consider these Two points, that God says He created the sun, moon, and all the stars and all the vastness of the universe, verse 4, to give light to where? Not to Mercury, not to Venus, not to Jupiter, but to the earth. And to be signs, not to stars and distant galaxies, not to other planets in our solar system, but to be signs for His image bearers. His special creation here on earth. If you look at verse 14, you can see that God spoke the lights into the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And if you look down in verse 15, you will see that they were for the express purpose of giving light upon the earth, which is repeated again at the end of verse 17. And sandwiched in between verses 15 and 17, we can see in verse 16 the fact that Our sun rules our day. Even though it's not the largest of stars, God has given us our sun to rule our day here on earth. And He has given us the moon to rule our night, even though it's not creating its own light, it's just reflecting the light of our sun. Beloved, these truths instruct us that the earth is special. It's not just one of innumerable planets in the universe. It is special. These great lights were created for God's redemptive plan. And where did God's redemptive plan play out? It plays out on earth. And so these stars and these sun, the greater light and the lesser light, were made to separate the day from the night and to serve as signs for the sake of God's image bearers here on the earth. The clear emphasis of the fourth day here in verses 14 to 19 is that these celestial objects were all created to serve the same purpose, the same function. The greater light of our sun, the lesser light of the moon, the stars also were all created with the purpose of serving God's image bearers, you and me, here on the earth. Well, this emphasis that we find in Scripture is quite different. It is quite a different interpretation of what God has created 
than how our modern world interprets these signs that they see in the sky. It's also quite different from the pagan religions of Egypt or the Canaanites of Israel's day, where they believed that the destiny of the earth was thought to be determined by the movements of the stars. But here in the fourth day narrative of Genesis 1, Israel then gathered at Mount Sinai, and you, brothers and sisters, gathered today at Mount Zion as the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven. This fourth day narrative of Genesis 1 was instructing the people of Israel then and is instructing you now that the sun and moon as greater and lesser lights and all the stars In all the galaxies, these celestial objects that are so important to our planet are not worthy of your reverence and worship. No, beloved, like the angels in heaven, these things are your servants. Put in their place by their creator, by your creator, not to be worshipped, but to serve you to meet your needs, to provide for you, to sustain you as you live here on God's creation. The Egyptians had their sun god. The New Agers of our day have their astrological signs. But you, beloved, shall have no other gods before Yahweh. Beloved, there is no significance for your life to be found in the movements of the planets and the stars in the sky as though their movements could determine your mood, your fate, whether you should start a business venture or a relationship. There is no value for you to look at the stars and seek to determine the way that you live your lives. Astrological signs are sinful for Christians to think of as though they held some kind of significance for our lives. This way of looking at the stars, as many people do, has always been and will forever be forbidden for you, God's people. It is idolatry. Listen to the prophet Jeremiah. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, Do not learn the ways of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the peoples are vanity. Beloved, to look to the planets, their movements, whatever's in retrograde, to look to the stars as though It is important to how you live your life is vanity. It's useless. It's sinful. If you want to look for signs in the night sky, then you must look at what God has created and bow before your Creator, not His creation. You must worship and serve Him, not His handiwork. For the heavens do not declare their own glory. But beloved, the all that they inspire in us when we consider them must lead us to join in their declaration. For we are instructed in Psalm 19 that their declaration is not their own glory. But they declare the glory of our God. Consider the power that your God had in creating our Son. Consider the size of our Son for a moment. Consider the fact that our Son is so large that you could take one million earths and put it inside of it. And then consider the fact that our Son, our star, is relatively small. It's a relatively small star compared to the stars that we know in the universe. The largest star that we know of, as I looked it up, is called UY Scuti, and it is so large that four billion of our suns could fit into it, which means that six quadrillion Earths 
could fit into UI Scooty. Now consider these things. Consider the vastness, the size, the power of these things, and then consider the tiny speck that the earth is and make your decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. Will you follow the world in your contemplations and think of these things and think that they point to the insignificance of our pale blue dot? Or will you heed the words of your God and be in awe, not only of the power of your God to make these things with but a word, but in His wisdom to dispose all of them to glorify Himself here on the earth as He redeems a people for Himself. Because, beloved, that is why our sun exists. That is why our planets or the planets in our solar system exist. That is why our galaxy exists. That is why UY Scooty exists. That's why the asteroid belt exists. That's why the comets exist. That's why our moon exists. That's why everything exists. So let the all of these created things lift your worship and praise to the awe-inspiring and benevolent power of the one who made them for your good as your servants to glorify himself. Beloved, in Christ you are joint heirs with him. And that means that you are heirs of everything that is created. For all things are from Him, for Him, and to Him. And you are joint heirs of that. Such that as you look into the night sky and see all of the beauty and majesty and awe-inspiring scale of God's creation, you must know that the sun, moon, and stars with their awe-inspiring greatness are just your servants. Not your servants, that they would bow to your will. But they are your servants in that they serve you by giving you light as you labor for their and your king. And they are reminders to us to be contemplated by us in order that we would glorify their and our king for his wisdom and his power. Consider all of these things and then consider the fact that the sun, moon, and stars that we read about here in Genesis chapter 1, all of these things were just Wednesday for God. They were the fourth day. The innumerable stars in the universe, our own sun, our moon, were God's Wednesday labors brought forth by His powerful Word. Think of the power of your God and then think of that loved one whose salvation seems impossible in your mind. And ask yourself the rhetorical question of the prophets, is God's arm too short to save? Is anything too hard for Him? Think of the power of your God and then think of the remaining corruptions of your flesh and the sin that so easily besets you and ask yourself the question, is God's arm too short to sanctify me? Is He not powerful enough to burn the sin out of me? Beloved, think of the power of your God and then think of your weak, doubting faith and ask yourself the question, is God's arm too short to keep me from stumbling Is His arm too weak to present me blameless at the coming of His Son? Oh, beloved, strengthen your weak knees with this truth that we sing about. He will hold you fast. You are precious in His sight. And He is powerful to create you by Word and Spirit. And He has created all these things with just a Word. He is able to keep you and hold you. He is able to save those for whom He sent His Son to die. And as you consider the fact that the sun, moon, and stars were God's first Wednesday, as we think about these things, I do think it's ironic that Wednesday gets its name from the Germanic god Woden, who was the god of the dead, who was to lead the dead to their final place of rest. 
But beloved, as you consider whether God can save your loved one or not, whether He can preserve you in faith, whether He can sanctify you, as you consider these things, realize that unlike Woden, your God doesn't guide the dead to their final location. Beloved, your God raises the dead and gives them eternal life. Oh, friend, if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, you do not know this God, and you perhaps you don't worship Woden, but you worship some other God, perhaps it's just yourself. Hear of these truths and choose this day whom you will serve. Will you serve yourself and your ways and your imaginations? Will you follow the world and its interpretation of these signs in the sky? In other words, will you remain dead in your sins, objects of this Creator's wrath? Or will you look at these signs and realize that reality is what God is doing in the world and all these things and all the universe are meant to serve His people and that He is working out redemption here on His earth that He created this special place and that He cared so much to redeem a people that He sent His Son into the world to live a perfect life that none of us have, and to die a substitutionary death for anyone and everyone who would look to Him in repentance and faith, so that they too would be heirs of the sun, the moon, and the stars, of all things with Christ Jesus. Friend, if you're here this morning and you do not know Him, understand that this choice is put before you today. Will you continue in your love of this world that is passing away? Or will you repent of your sins and trust in Christ and lift your eyes from this old creation to a new creation that is coming? Oh, friend, I hope that you'll hear this good news today and that you will indeed repent of your sins and trust in Christ. Will we spend our time so far looking at the purpose of the sun, moon, and stars here on the fourth day of creation as sources of light for us. Now let's focus our attention on them in relation to what we see in verse 14 of Genesis 1. That is, that God created the sun, moon, and stars to serve mankind, not only by being lights for us, but also by being signs for us. But what kind of signs? We've already said that astrology is sinful. So in what way can we understand, verse 14, that the lights in the heavens are to be seen by us as signs for us? Well, the first kind of sign that we can talk about is a sign of God's faithfulness. You can see in verse 14 that these things God has created are signs that indicate to us changing seasons, the passing of days as our star rises and falls in our sky, and the passing of years as the stars of the heavens and our own moves into different locations in our sky. After the flood of Genesis 8, we see that God has revealed to us that the continual procession of seasons, days, and years is a sign to us a sign of His kindness that He will never again destroy the earth by floodwaters. And God gives Noah and all the creatures of the earth the sign of the rainbow in Genesis 9 as a pledge to never destroy the earth by a flood. And God has been faithful to that promise ever since to do what? To see to it that the sun ceaselessly rises and falls in our sky. To see to it that springs, summers, falls, and winter come upon the earth. And though we understand how rainbows are made by the refraction of light through water droplets, let us not confuse our understanding of how these things happen. Do not under, you let that understanding of how these things happen desensitize you to the fact that every time you see a rainbow, 
you are reminded of God's faithfulness. And every time a new spring comes and you hear the birds chirping and you see the trees blooming, you are reminded of God's faithfulness. Every time you see the stars move through the night sky, every time you see the planets moving in their locations, you are reminded of God's faithfulness. Likewise, God told Abraham in Genesis 15, 5, that the stars were a sign to him when God made his covenant with Abraham and said to him, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Beloved, do you realize that one of the reasons why God made all the stars that you can see in the night sky was so that he could use them as an illustration to his servant Abraham to show him what his faithfulness would look like. That he could see something with his eyes and believe by faith that God was going to do that with his offspring. And so every time Abraham walked out at night and looked up at the night sky and saw the stars, they were serving him. They were his servant, showing him that he could remember so that he could remember God's promise to him. And as Israel struggled in the wilderness, don't you think that after reading this in Genesis 1, after hearing Moses read Genesis to them and hearing what he says to Abraham in Genesis 15, that they considered this promise of God to Abraham and saw the reality as they looked around and saw how God had been faithful to multiply them from singular Abraham to the number they were after the Exodus? Beloved, don't you think that when they wondered what they would become or whether or not they would all perish in the wilderness, don't you think they took comfort at night when they looked up at the stars? Don't you think they were encouraged And don't you think that those of the faith of Abraham looked up at the starry night and praised God for his promise to multiply him? And then they looked around at their fellow Israelites and saw that God was faithful to keep his promise. And beloved, what about you? Do you look up at the stars at night and realize that they are a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham? In the sign of the innumerable stars that we look at, do you look up at them and find encouragement that the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham includes you? Includes your brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world today and throughout every generation? Such that when the promised offspring of Abraham came into the world to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, that he has been and is being that blessing to all the nations by multiplying those who are of the faith of Abraham as he builds his church throughout the world, and that he will continue to do so in our generation and in generations to come, such that his people will be as the stars in the heavens for their number. Beloved, go outside tonight or on the next clear night and contemplate the vastness of our universe and the number of stars in our night sky and let them be for you signs of God's faithfulness. And let that sign not only be an encouragement to your faith, but also an encouragement to your evangelism, that He is multiplying His people as the stars of the heavens. And though this is a wonderful and encouraging truth, and this is a wonderful way in which the stars of the heavens serve you, beloved, this isn't the only kind of sign that the sun, moon, and stars serve God's people as. We need to remember again that here in Genesis, Moses is instructing Israel that the luminaries of the sky were created not to be worshipped and feared, but rather, as we see in verse 14, to be signs for seasons, days, and years. And not just markers for seasons for the sake of seasons themselves, or not just markers for days or years for the mere marking of time, but the passing of seasons and days and years were for the purpose of creating a calendar that Israel could celebrate the covenant 
that their God had made with them. If you take the time, some time, to look at Genesis 23, or I'm sorry, not Genesis, Leviticus 23, you can see this. In Leviticus 23, 3, you can see that after six sunrises and six sunsettings, the seventh was to be treated differently. It was to be a holy Sabbath. And so the rising and setting of the sun served as a sign for the people of Israel when they were to rest and worship. In verses 4 through 8 in Leviticus 23, you can see that the seasons, as the seasons and years passed, Israel was to know when the first month of the year was. And they were to set aside the 14th day of that month to remember God's deliverance of them from slavery in Egypt in the Passover week. And the 15th day of that same month, they were to begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Verses 9 through 14, you can see that as God brought another growing season and caused it to pass, as God brought another spring, summer, and fall, and harvest season came, Israel was to worship God in the Feast of First Fruits, which was to be observed on the first day after the first Sabbath, after the first harvest. And in verses 15 to 22, in Leviticus 23, 50 days after the Feast of first fruits, Israel was to worship God at the Feast of Weeks. And it continues throughout the rest of Leviticus 23, in the first day of the seventh month, the Feast of Trumpets. Nine days later, after nine sunrises, nine sunsets, after the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement. And five days after the Day of Atonement, Israel was to worship God for seven more sunrises and sunsets in the Feast of Booze. And just as the heavenly lights served as signs to mark seasons, days, and years for Israel's worship of their God, and they set for them a liturgical calendar, the question may come, well, what about us? Do they give us a liturgical calendar? calendar for which we are to worship by? The answer is yes, but not quite in the same way. Israel's calendar was full of days of worship required of them by God. And though we, in the new covenant, do remember Christ's birth at Christmas, we remember his crucifixion and resurrection on Good Friday and Easter, And though it is good for us to remember these days, we must not act as though these days have been commanded by us. Like the people of Israel, that day that is and has been commanded of us is communicated to us weekly by the sign of the sun rising and setting on our six days of labor and instructing us that one of our days is to be filled with rest and worship on the Christian Sabbath. The difference being that the old creation and the old covenant Sabbath ended the week of the people of God of old, just as God labored to create for six days and then He rested on the seventh day in the old creation, as we're going to see when we get to Genesis chapter 2. However, the new creation and the new covenant Sabbath begins our week. It begins our week. It doesn't end it, but it begins it. Because God rested from His work of redemption, and then He rose from the grave on the first day of the week, inaugurating the new creation such that our week begins with rest and worship. As Pastor Scott has told us many times, we work coming out of rest. We don't work trying to get to the rest. We do this until at last we shall enter into that eternal Sabbath rest that will come at our death or the return of our King. But in terms of signs in the sky, the sun, moon, and stars, the most important way and the most repeated way that God has told us that these signs in the sky will serve us is that they will indicate in those last days the coming of our Lord. We saw this when we went through Mark's gospel, that in the last days they will be darkened, and that will indicate 
to us or those living at that time that the evening is setting on the old creation and the morning star is rising for the eternal day of worship. Well, as we have seen, beloved, here on the fourth day, the creation of the luminaries in the sky serve as a perpetual source of light such that even in the darkness of space, there is nowhere in the universe, even in the darkest regions, where the truth that darkness can never overcome light is not self-evident. And there is nowhere that this truth is more physically evident than on earth, where as we said a couple of weeks ago, our incessant mornings are conquering, are daily conquering the nights. And there is nowhere that this truth is more spiritually evident than in the life of Christians where our outer man, our physical man, the remaining corruptions and the darkness of our flesh are constantly wasting away. But that inner man, that new creation, that light that is to shine before others is constantly being renewed by our God day by day until the true light that once came into the world returns to bring that eternal day of the new creation. As we close our time together and enter into a time of prayer and reflection, I want you to reflect on the omnipotence and the omniscience, the all-powerfulness and the all-wiseness of your God. Consider the size of our planet, the size of our sun, the size of our solar system, the size of our galaxy, and then consider the fact that we only get to see a tiny sliver of our universe because of the arms of our galaxy and the gases. Be humbled by these things. And then be in awe of your all-powerful God who is verse 14 and 15 of our passage today instructs us, brought these things into existence with but a word. And God said, and it was so. And after being in awe of your God's power, let the words of the psalmist come to your mind. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the sun and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man, that you care for Him. Beloved, ponder the fact that God has made these things for you. They exist to serve you as you seek to serve their Creator and your King. Beloved, do not be taken captive by the vain philosophies and empty conceits and deceits that are according to the wily coyotes of our world and not according to Christ. Look to the heavens, perhaps even tonight, and behold your all-wise God. Look to the heavens and see what your God and Savior has put there as signs for you. Signs of encouragement. Signs of His faithfulness. Signs of His love for you. And know that day after day, they pour forth speech that can make you wise. Constantly drawing you to worship with each passing Lord's day. Until one day, until that day of the Lord comes when sun, moon, and stars of this old creation will go dark as they serve their final purpose in giving their last sign that the kingdom of God is at hand and the eternal day begins. Let us long for that day, beloved, and let us look forward to it. But while we remain in this old creation, Let us look to the signs in the sky that God has given us and not worship them, but to be thankful for the faithfulness of our God. And let that lead us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank You for this time together. Father, we thank You that on this first Wednesday, You created things that our mind cannot even comprehend, even though we can see them. Father, we thank You, though we don't understand it, 
we thank you that you have created them to serve us, your people, to serve this tiny planet, this planet that you loved and that you set up your affections on by setting and putting your image bearers in it. And that you showed its peculiar specialness by sending your only son into it to live and to die and to rise from the grave. And you show this planet's specialness in that when he returns, he's coming here. He's not going to some other galaxy in the universe. He's not going to some other planet in our solar system. He is coming here. Oh, Father, help us to take these things in and to not be taken captive by the way in which sinful man has reinterpreted these signs to seek to tell us that they're just cosmic accidents and that we are just an accident and that we have no significance. Father, help us to see those lies for what they are. Help us to believe what you have instructed us in your word. And Father, help us not only to believe it ourselves, but because it's not just descriptive of things we can debate about, but because it is descriptive of what reality is, of what all things are working towards, help us to be faithful ambassadors going out in the world, telling those who do not know you that all of these things have been made to serve your image bearers and to point to the truth that your Son and that eternal day is coming and that all must repent and look to Him in faith. So that as this old creation passes away with all of its stars and all of its planets, including our own, that they would inherit that eternal creation. And so we ask you to help us as we reflect on these things and we reflect on the fourth day of creation and help us as we consider those things that we can see in our sky, consider them in light of your word. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.